What's going on, everybody? Mike Deruba from Spirit Exotics here. Today, we're on episode two of Gecko Group, and I have the great Dakota Burke of DBCB Exotics. So Dakota, I'm going to get right into it with the first question, a classic one. When did the passion start for you? Oh, geez. Uh, first off, I want to commend you for making a, a Gecko podcast. Um, it's literally something I've always thought about doing because every when you think about podcasts, it's literally snakes. There's a lot of carpet pythons for some reason or in ball pythons. Like no one does stuff for lizards and geckos. So a really great idea making a gecko specific one. Um, yeah. But where did the passion start? So, um, I mean, I really young. I, I think it's a pretty stereotypical, stereotypical answer from young age. Always liked reptiles. Um, I got my very first first reptile was a corn snake when I was like, uh, I had to be like 14 years old at the time. Now, granted, I was a 14 year old kid, like a freshman in high school, didn't care for it properly, listened to the Petco employees. He did not make it more than a year or two. But um, after I ended up moving back here into the New England area, I started getting back into it. I've always wanted a bearded dragon. Went to an expo one time as a teenager. I saw a bearded dragon and a sombrero. I thought to myself, yeah, that's an animal for me. I, I need one of those. So eventually got one and that really just started kickstarting it. the whole thing. You know, I got a bearded dragon and we saw crested geckos. The um, my girlfriend at the time wanted a cute little gecko. So we got some cresteds, then this, that, this, and now I own 150 animals. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the hardest part for you when you were first getting into all those animals? Um. I think it's two things. I think the um, there's definitely a learning curve with exotics and reptiles are no exception. I I went from, you know, owning a dog or, you know, having a dog. It wasn't really mine. It was my parents at the time. So going from that and reptiles being my first thing, I think the two biggest things are going to be the costs and the knowledge behind it. Uh, obviously, and this is specific with bearded dragons, the um, information out there, there's a lot of misinformation. Um, there's a lot of gatekeeping when it comes to certain care aspects of the bearded dragon. We've got pro-loose substrate, anti-loose substrate, bioactive, this, that. And it's one of the big reasons why I don't recommend bearded dragons as a beginner pet, just some personal experience. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot to try to figure out. And when you have everyone yelling at you at the same time to do it this way and that way, it can really break someone that's not, if you're not super passionate about reptiles, you know, stuff like that, that can really turn people off from the hobby. So that was a big thing. Then of course, the costs that come into keeping um, reptiles themselves, you know, you've got enclosure, heating and lighting, UVB, all of this stuff that, um, you don't really think too much about, I don't think it's like a huge cost when it comes to um, just one reptile, but then when you start multiplying it two, three, five, ten, 10, uh, especially depending on the species, you know, if everything needs UVB, that's hundreds and hundreds of dollars you're spending on just the um, light bulbs alone, changing it every six months, things of that. So uh, have a little bit of cash in your pocket and definitely do your research before jumping in, I think are my two hurdles when I was first getting started. Yeah. And I just want to ask, like, what was going through your mind when you were first getting all these animals and you decided to start breeding them and you wanted to go full time right away? Like, what were you thinking? Yeah, I really jumped the gun. Um, I don't think many people know I'm full time. Um, I see a lot of people. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm such a small fry still within like the social community aspect of it, whether it be YouTube or breeding. So um, jumping in full time may not have been the smartest decision, but I definitely don't regret it. Um, what was I thinking when I first, I don't think you're thinking too much about, so 
I think the hardest part is when you go from around that one to 10, that's when things become very tricky or honestly the one to like two to three, I think is the hardest part because then you're caring for, you're doubling your workload, right? Now you have to watch two temperatures, the humidity, this and that, and you're taking that, you're doubling it, then you're taking it times three, five. But once you get to about 12, you start shifting over to a lot of bulk stuff. So stuff starts becoming less expensive wholly because instead of buying, going to the pet store and buying, you know, uh, 20, 30 crickets and, you know, pet stores cost like, it's like 70 cents of crickets, ridiculous. Uh, I'm now buying boxes of crickets for, you know, 80 bucks for thousands of crickets at a time. So the money at the very beginning, the money really starts picking up. And then once you hit a certain threshold, it actually starts dropping ironically. So I didn't really care too much about that. I, I'm not a man. I'm a very big introvert um, going out and, you know, uh, especially since moving to New England, I, I moved to New England at the age of um, 19. I was out of high school. Well, I was out of high school for a couple of years. I didn't go. I just got my GED. Yeah, just remember, folks, you can make a full time business. You won't need to pass high school. <laughs> but um, I, I was fresh out. When you're 19, you know, you kind of start becoming an adult, figuring stuff out. I didn't really go to college. I tried it didn't stick. So I didn't form too many friendships out here. So I don't have too many friends. I don't go out that often. Partying is not really my thing. The bar scene is not really me. So I have a lot of time to take care of these animals. And so it didn't really think about, it didn't impact my social life as much as I think it would impact the regular person's social life. And that's definitely something to think about before getting as many animals as I did. But um, the second part, when I started about getting into breeding, this is when um, I first moved here. I, I tried my luck. I don't really know what I was thinking back then, but when I first moved here up to um, where I am now in this house, uh, I think it was with my current partner, Renee. She had a good amount of reptiles, I think more reptiles than I did at that point. And I had a good amount. So we ended up with like 20 to 30 reptiles now. And I thought to myself, this is getting kind of pricey. I start, I need my hobby to start paying for me because I can't really, it's starting at the budget starting to get a little bit crazy. And I obviously there's still so much stuff I want. Uh, I got to figure out how to make that happen. So that was a pretty big indicator on what to start breeding was I, I want to keep this thing going. I want to keep getting animals and I need to figure out a way to support that hobby. And so that was a, not just the single one, but I think that was a pretty big indicator on um, why I wanted to start breeding reptiles, which is keep that passion and keep the, um, just the collection itself and the hobby I have personally, I just wanted to keep it growing. And then, um, so I started a bit unconventionally full-time. It was kind of like all the stars aligned, so to speak, even though what could, what might've been the best thing that happened to me was during the worst time for the rest of the world. So obviously 2020, big COVID thing. Um, I was doing DBCB exotics for about a year and a half. I was into my second year of breeding as a full-time business. I bred a little bit before as a hobby level, but I started really taking it seriously in 2019. Um, I went down part-time because I was making some pretty good money, not like a lot of money, but enough to where I don't have to work the, I was a postal guy. I was a mail carrier. I hated the job. Absolutely couldn't stand it. I was able to work another animal job, take a pay cut, but still keep going. And then COVID hit, right? The world shut down. Um, you know, animal daycare isn't a necessity people think from government standards. So I got laid off at that point. And, um, I just kind of never got another job after that. <laughs> I just, uh, I didn't want to work again. You know, uh, I've worked every animal career. 
for the most part you can have, unless you're talking about, you know, very high prestigious college degree ones, but dog training, dog daycare, kennel work, um, uh, my latest animal job, I was a veterinary technician and then I was hand raising exotic parrots for a while. I kind of did it all and I just, I never got enough out of it. So I've always wanted more. And this really, um, it held my attention for a little bit, but even then, you know, with DBCB exotics, I, I still, I want it to be more. I want to keep growing and make it into something bigger. So that was kind of, I don't think it was a, a full decision. Like it wasn't one of those constants. Everyone has, you know, everyone's asked, you know, especially with like, I have a weird mix of like being a breeder and being a YouTuber. So they kind of, I can't do one without the other full time. So a lot of people are like, you know, when, that's the big question. Would you make that conscious decision that you were going to take the plunge the full time? Um, I didn't really make that conscious decision. I just kind of got laid off from my job and just never looked for another job after that and just kept growing this. And uh, it's been, um, oh, geez. Yeah, we're on two years of full time now. Time fucking flies, man. I'm still above water. I, I still can pay my bills. I can still keep this thing going. So uh, until that happens, I just won't get another job. Yeah, well, there you just listed some positives of going full time. Now tell me, what were some consequences of going full time and some of the bumps along the road that you had to deal with? So, like I said, with COVID-19, we had a bunch of relief packages. Um, there was unemployment for being laid off. There's a bunch of good stuff that was going on, right? So my first year, I was king. You know, we were making fat checks back in 2020. Couldn't go anywhere. So anyone, everyone was spending that money like it's hotcakes. I'm selling out of animals. Everyone's watching YouTube. Uh, it was a good year and I was making some pretty good money with all of that. But then you get into 2021 when all of that starts slowing down. And um, one of the biggest consequences is it's a it's kind of like a double-edged sword, I like to think. So you make in this type of field, you make as much money as the work you put into it. So you're not, there's no consistent cash flow anymore. You're not working that nine to five. You're not getting a check every two weeks, right? I have some, I mean, I have um, some months where I'm making a lot of money and it, I get um, like sponsorships, then habitats, things like that. I get the check in, the, in my PayPal. And I'm like, holy shit, dude, this was a great month. And I also have months where I'm like, damn, dude, I'm really struggling. So a big consequence is you, you basically work as much as you want to make as much money as you want. You know, like I could strive on YouTube even further going back to daily videos or five videos a week. I could make a little bit more ad revenue through that. There's a lot of stuff you can do to make money, but it's all about finding not just the main hustle, you know, I, I say hustle with, you know, not like, but anyway, um, you know, the main one being breeding reptiles, but you got to find side income streams. You got to, so like over here, you know, we've got DBCB Exotics, the business, we've got YouTube, we've got merch, we've got um, sponsorships, all of that in order to make enough money to get us by. So it's a lot of work, I think is a big consequence. It's I'm working probably 200% harder really harder than I've ever worked at any job because as soon as you stop, it's not at the risk. You know, you take a sick day. That's the risk of the business. The business suffers. Um, when you take a sick day in your business, you suffer, your money suffers. So it's, um, it's a lot of things that need adjustments for sure. And it is a, um, it's definitely not something to take as lightly as I did. I wouldn't recommend doing it for a lot of people, but if you can, um, if you can have those months where you're making literally no money, you're eating some ramen every single day and some frozen waffles, making sure your animals are fed and good to go. Um, if you just want to live hundred percent on passion, don't care too much about finances and stuff like that. It's a great way to start. And you only kind of, you only go up from here, but the beginning, man, it's, um, 
it's been some rough months. I've had some months where I was trying to figure out, all right, how are we going to pay the electricity this time? Yeah. Um, yeah. With that being how it is, how much time do you spend on the animals in a day? Because I know with having a small collection, I spend multiple hours cleaning, feeding, and all other things that you have to do. Um, so I probably spend around, I want to say four hours. And the way I'm able to cut it with four hours is you have to, um, number one, I'm very blessed to have a partner that's also really into, I know that's like a huge thing is a lot of people, their partners aren't really into reptiles. That's like a big, I am lucky. Renee had more reptiles than I did when we first got together. She was actually a big reason. She actually got me into crested geckos. And when I started, that's when I just had a bearded dragon, but, um, She's a huge help. So delegating a little bit with her is a huge help. It takes a lot of load off. She usually does the gecko feedings, which is a huge load off of me. Um, and then it's just kind of time management and splitting stuff up. So I'm not doing everything at once, right? Like I'm not feeding my toke geckos, my monitor lizards, my crested geckos, my day geckos. They're not all getting fed on the same day. I have it split up on a good part where one day it's this species, one day it's this group, one day it's the big boys and so on. So it's a lot of time management, figuring out a schedule that works for you very well. And then uh, hopefully you're blessed enough to have a good partner that likes to help out for you. Yeah. So um, tell us about the future of C DBCB Exotics and what projects we have to look forward from you. Oh, so honestly, and this was a huge, I'm sorry, my legs like falling asleep. So it's all, I got like that static leg. <laughs> so with this year, this is our first year breeding tegus. And unfortunately, this is going to be our first and last year breeding tegus. Um, last week, uh, North Carolina, which is the place we're going to be moving to here very soon, uh, they actually banned the tegu lizards, the Argentine black and white. So, so I don't think you'll see too many like really big different projects from me as far as the reptile sides go, but really see more of the exotic side of stuff you can, you don't really think about owning, things of that nature. I definitely want to get into crocodilians. Um, primates are something I've really grown an affinity towards. Um, definitely going to start with like uh, some lemurs, get into some of the smaller species of monkeys and just go from there. So there's going to be a lot of different stuff going and it's not just going to be reptile stuff in the next couple of years when we start um, evolving this. That's very exciting for you. And I wish you the best with that. But um, tell us about the geckos. What can we expect from geckos from you? A lot of geckos. We, we got we got a lot of geckos going on. So currently working with, um, let's see, crested, a lot of New Caledonian stuff. So crested geckos, gargoyle geckos, chihua geckos. Um, we've got the Madagascan giant day geckos, the standing eye day geckos, and then the crimson line of the giant days. Uh, a couple of toke geckos with toke gecko mutations, reduced pattern, granite, um, green galaxy are a couple we're working with and a couple of um, stuff I have yet to prove out. Is that all my geckos? I think that, oh, cave geckos as well. I don't know if I'm going to be selling cave geckos this year. I think I'm going to hold them all back and start um, really growing my stuff. I only have one pair going and there's so much demand for them that I kind of want to get a good group going for them before I release them back to the public. I think that was my mistake last year as I sold a lot of them and I was kind of like, dang, kind of wish I held those back and had enough breeding stock for 2023. 
But um, yeah, you can expect a lot of geckos. You can definitely expect evolving on the gecko side. I'm really taking the plunge into that. So stuff like William's Eye, the electric blue day geckos, um, peacock geckos are another thing I really want. Day geckos in general, I have really, as soon as I got these Madagascan giant days, man, people always talk about, you know, like the day geckos, they suck, they're skittish, they run away, they can drop their scales, which is a real hindrance to a lot of people. But Man, the way those geckos look at you, dude, I just, I can't. I have grown such love for the day geckos. They're probably one of my favorite species of geckos to work with now. And um, just a couple different species. I really want to expand on the day gecko project and get a couple more of those going because those are just some rad guys. I really want to share that experience that I'm having with them with everyone else. Yeah, Um, I'm very excited. I hope everybody else is. So where can everybody find these animals when they're ready and available? So I don't have a website yet. Websites are expensive to build. I know a lot of people keep asking me for one. I don't think I'm going to build one anytime soon because I do most of my sales off of Facebook and Instagram, that being DBCB Exotics. Um, that's pretty much the place to be. Patreon, I always post, post on my Patreon page before anyone gets to see it in the public. But if you guys are interested in babies, check out my Instagram page, check out my Facebook. I got separate albums showing the stuff I have for sale. Hit me a message and we can make something happen. Yeah, well, that's about everything for questions that I got for you. So if there's anything you would like to say, the floor is now yours. Um, I, I think I said myself in the beginning. I just I, I dig I dig the new gecko podcast, man. I hope you expand on it. I, I think we need more uh more gecko talks going on because that's something, especially when I started, you know, wanting to get into geckos. Obviously, with podcasts, listening, everything like that, you want to listen to gecko podcasts. There's none, man. There's like no one, there's so little, even like lizard people that want to make podcasts. It's all the snake guys and God, just hearing the 90th ball Python podcast. I'm just so sick of it. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I felt the same way because the only podcast I really listen to is strength and Leo's, which is specifically about leopard geckos. And I figured I can widen that spectrum, have it all about geckos, other types mm-hmm. of lizards and if anybody who's watching this is interested in being interviewed, who's a breeder or a conservationist, a hobbyist, any of that, please um, contact me. You can contact me on my Instagram, spirit.exotics. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. I'll see you guys in the next episode.